Welcome to Reality Check, the podcast that helps teenagers find their own answer to the common question, what do you want to be when you grow up? I'm Ariana, your host, and today I'm excited to interview Eliza Lair, who is the Executive Director for the Food Education Fund. Welcome. Thanks so much for having me. So why don't you start by giving us just a quick overview of your current position? So I'm the executive director of the Food Education Fund. So the Food Education Fund is a, a nonprofit that supports culinary public high schools. And my role is just kind of overseeing the nonprofit on the operations, fundraising, and also the, the programming front. And then what did you want to be when you were in high school? That's a good question. I, I loved science when I was in high school. I don't really remember, I guess. <laughs> like, I know I love science and things. I thought about forestry. I uh, thought about food and I went to cooking school when I was 19. So I must have been thinking about that around that time. <laughs> but I don't really know. So then, yeah, what did you do after high school, with your cooking school and stuff? So, yeah. So after high school, I went to Lewis and Clark College in Portland, Oregon, and I, I took a year off after my freshman year because I knew that I wanted to go to cooking school at some point. And at that time, I thought, if this is something I want to do, maybe I shouldn't finish college and shouldn't pay for college if I just want to go into the culinary industry. And so I, I went to Paris, France for a year with a friend and like shared a, a one bedroom apartment, <laughs> one of us sleeping on the, a couch and one on the bed. And went to Cordon Bleu, which was incredible. And I loved it and loved the culinary world. But at the time, I I remember thinking that I didn't think I needed college, but I thought that the world thought I needed college. So I, I went back and finished college and I'm very glad that I did. <laughs> and what were, what were you majoring in? So I actually ended up majoring in Hispanic studies, which was, I had a friend that said that I did kind of the liberal liberal arts thing more than anyone she had seen because I was studying like physics and psychology and computer science and Spanish and French. So Hispanic studies was kind of the only thing that I ended up having enough credits to be able to focus on. So lots of things, but major was Hispanic studies. Have you used that since? Uh, somewhat. I think it's definitely been helpful speaking Spanish. So that was one thing from cooking school in France of so many people in Europe speak like four or five languages. And so I, I felt like I should at least try to <laughs> try to speak two. So I've definitely used Spanish, I would say, in terms of kind of like Spanish literature, not a ton but Spanish has been hugely helpful of my last year of college. I lived in, in Chile and South America, which I wouldn't have been able to do without that major. So that was incredible. So with your culinary education, were you ever actually like a chef? Yeah. So I worked in kitchens from the, I guess, while I was in France, I, I volunteered at a restaurant in Paris and then moved to Spain for a few months to work at a restaurant in Mallorca, which is this beautiful island in the Mediterranean. And then when I got back to Portland, I was working in restaurants kind of in, in breaks in summers, and then also in, in Chile and in New York when I got here. So I, cooking is such a great job to be able to travel with because I could go to places and say like, hey, I'll be here for two months. Can I have a job? <laughs> they would say yes. So that was amazing. So yeah, for a few years in and out. And then why, why did you stop? So my first year in New York, I was working at a restaurant called Foragers 
And I was always kind of working there and doing something else on the side. So I was, I was like a business development intern at one point. I worked at a food radio station. I had like a startup <laughs> that failed. And so I, I, I always kind of wanted to learn more. But I remember actually a coworker, he was saying, he's like, anyone with a college degree shouldn't, shouldn't be working this job. And I was like, what do you mean? Like, what are you talking about? Uh, which I do think there's, there's a lot of beautiful things about working in kitchens, but they are very low paying, long hours, hard work. So eventually I, I started to look into other options and moved more into the nonprofit world through kind of the, the food radio as my first step into that world. And how did you find the food education fund? So, so actually, while I was working at the food radio station, I was doing stories about different parts of the food world. And part of that was about the public school system. And actually, I was doing an interview about this other public high school called the Harbor School, where the students repopulate oysters in the New York Harbor, not to eat, but to clean the water because oysters filter like up to 50 gallons of water per day. So I was doing a story and I was out with them on the boat and they were diving, which is gross in New York, but they were cool kids for being up for that. And on the ferry back, I was kind of dreaming about if I could start a a culinary public high school that had an internship program and an aquaponics program and eventually found out that that existed and that's food and finance high school. So I reached out through the website and the the board chair of Food Education Fund, which is the nonprofit, called me about five minutes later and was like, great, can you volunteer for this or help with this? And so I volunteered for, I guess, three years while I worked at another nonprofit that they helped connect me with before I came on full time. So it was I literally, I feel like I dreamed it up <laughs> and then found out that it existed. What was your like starting position there? So I was the program director my first year, but I was also the only employee. So kind of the everything, (laughs) everything director. And then the next year I became executive director and we brought on our our second employee who's Kat, who's our program manager. And now we're a huge four people going on five. So it feels like a lot, but we're still pretty tiny. (laughs) So did you ever actually like teach the students? Yeah. So up until I guess last year, I was running a job training and internship class. So I basically taught, it's kind of like life skills. So there's there's the interview skills and resume writing, but we also talked about like gender and race harassment in the kitchen. We talked about how to get along with coworkers. We talked about financial literacy. So it's it was kind of built on everything that I wish that I knew when I was in high school, plus students asking for different classes. So they asked for I was always surprised of, we had originally like social media and nutrition classes and they were not as excited about that. And they wanted much more serious topics of like more on financial literacy. They wanted anger management. I was, I was always amazed by how <laughs> and real life topics they wanted to learn about. And so these programs with these students, how does it like help them get into the culinary field? So the schools that we work in all have culinary classes, like as a part of the regular day. So the job training and internship program that we run after we finish the job training class, the students go out and work in restaurants for, it's about 200 hours. 
So they're normally paid by the restaurant and just kind of employed. So a lot of times they'll stay on after their internship. Right now we're helping to subsidize that just because the restaurant industry is, is not doing well at all right now. But so it's a lot of the students graduate with two to three jobs on their resume already, which is very helpful. Mm-hmm. Do a majority of the students in those programs go into culinary? It's about half. So that's that's kind of a thing that I think a lot of adults don't realize is that the students are 13 or 14 when they decide to go to this school. So it's for lots of reasons. Some of them watch Food Network and they, you know, it looks fun. Some of them want to eat. 85% of the students live below the poverty line. So a, a sad reason is a lot of them are food insecure. So a school where you get fed is exciting. So we are actually trying to kind of diversify what the students see of as the food world. Cause in the past they just thought of like restaurants or front of house, which is like being a, a server or a host, but there's, you know, there's food media, food science, food tech. So we're trying to kind of open that up so that they can see that even if they don't want to work in a restaurant, there's still so many ways to work in and around food. Mm-hmm. Parents. <laughs> what do you think the biggest contribution from the program to the students is that helps them later? The way we kind of talk about the program is connecting what they do in school to the outside world of kind of being that bridge. So I think a big part of it is just bringing the industry into the school and having the students start to build their their network and their connections, which I think is so, so important, was definitely something that adults would say to me when I was in high school and I didn't understand it. I was like, what is a network? Like, what are you talking about? (laughs) And I think it's just really like people that will help you and help you get jobs later on or that you can work with. So I think kind of building that network and then also building the the skills for the workplace, which are like the specific skills, but also the soft skills of like how to be a good employee. Mm -hmm. And you said that up till last year you were running the program. Do you still run that currently? So now I, I guess I oversee it. We have our third employee is now our career development manager. So he runs the actual day-to-day of the class. And then I I work with him on kind of curriculum development, but I don't actually work with the students anymore, which I really miss. (laughs) How does it work with COVID now? So in New York, all of the public high schools are closed. They started being kind of a hybrid model, but it was only about 20% of students going in on a rotating basis. So the, the culinary education part has been honestly kind of a disaster in the sense of students weren't allowed to cook at home because of insurance reasons with like renters insurance and things like that so they're they're trying to fix that now and we are actually working on getting ingredients to all of the culinary students in New York City but that's you know we're almost a year into COVID so it's it's been a long time for our programs at the Food Education Fund, those are still happening. So we're doing the job training virtually and students are actually doing internships. Some of them were in person this fall in restaurants, but some were doing remote internships at like there's a women in food magazine that students were working in, like hospitality development company. So that part worked pretty well and students were able to continue working. But the on the school front, I think it's been really, really hard for students. Right. I would imagine for you too, but. Yeah. (laughs) 
Uh, okay, so I see that you used to work with like web design. Do you mm-hmm. still use that currently? I so yeah, so that was just one thing I wanted to learn. I I tried to teach myself a lot of different media skills, and that was a part of it. I feel like I never got good enough to the point that I could keep using it. I could kind of build a website, but not necessarily on the right platform. And it it's a field that develops so quickly. Mm-hmm. So I I just built our website for food education fund, but like on Squarespace, because it's just so much easier than like coding from scratch. Yeah. <laughs> it's it's kind of like a skill that unless you're building something really complex, you actually don't really need anymore in terms of the skills that I was learning. So <laughs> yes and no. <laughs> okay. So before COVID, what was an average day like? Uh, um, so before COVID, so our, our office is actually in one of the public high schools. It was in the basement. Now we're on the first floor. So an average day would be, we have a student run coffee shop that's in one of the high schools. So I would go get my coffee from the students, go to the office, sometimes giving tours to different people to go see the school going in and either teaching or seeing one of the classes running. And then sometimes we'd have like events at night or bring people in to the school for all, all sorts of different things. But it used to change every day. <laughs> Not as much in, anymore. Mm-hmm. And what, what would you consider the best part of your job? students working with the students which is why I miss working with them or see because even even when I wasn't teaching the class being in the school if I had a really hard day a student would come in and just yeah I think the students have so much like hope and are funny and are exciting to work with and just it would always kind of turn around a day of of working with students and and make it very clear why we do the work that we do even when it gets hard and then on the flip side what's the worst part I think the worst part is, I guess now, of we have some big projects going on that are just sometimes can feel very hard to wrap my mind around or, or having conversations that kind of feel like they go nowhere. And I think that's very normal in the professional world. It's just, especially in the video conference world, it's just like long conversations that you're not sure what actually got done. Whereas my old job, it was just so so clear exactly what was happening and and why and now it's a little bit bigger picture which just can kind of play mind games <laughs> sometimes I'm switching out a little bit if do you think that if someone wanted to go into culinary like education would they need to study the actual like food preparation part and work as a chef it depends I guess so if if they wanted to go into like kind of specifically culinary education of teaching people how to cook, then definitely. But there's so many other parts of like the food education world of there's like gardening programs, there's, you know, food science programs, there's food justice programs. So if it's more on the nonprofit side, not really in terms of specific culinary skills, but one thing that I will say about having worked in kitchens is that it, it makes you learn how to work really fast and figure things out and prioritize, which are all really important skills in a nonprofit is just figuring things out as they come up and working incredibly fast because it's often understaffed. Right. And what are those other programs you mentioned, like food justice, for example? 
Yeah. So for us, so we just started like a magazine that is called Pass the Spatula. And the idea is that it's like passing the spotlight onto the next generation, passing the spotlight away from the white community towards communities of color that have been historically marginalized. So podcast listeners won't be able to see it, but I'm showing you the cover of it, which is kind of a, a fist tying to the Black Lives Matter movement, holding a spatula. So that magazine, we're going to do another version this spring that will be more focused on food justice and food sovereignty. So that will be tons of different stories from students about their personal lives of, of where they've experienced maybe food insecurity and how that ties into the bigger picture. There are other things of like the the hospitality industry actually has direct ties to slavery of like tipping is a, is a direct not consequence, but kind of direct next step after the abolition of slavery of white people wanting to basically kind of continue that control. And so taking away wage, so like the sub-minimum wage for tipped workers was very much a product of white people wanting to maintain control. And then the, you know, kind of making up the minimum wage then seems like it's up to the person who's tipping to choose whether or not that person gets to make the minimum wage, which I could go on for a long time, but there's, so there's lots of things in the hospitality industry that I guess I should say lots of injustice in the hospitality industry as with many other industries. So exploring that and how we can make it better. Do you ever see yourself going into something like more specifically focused on that? Yeah. And it's, it's something that I've been thinking a lot about kind of especially after COVID of seeing how many of the alumni from our programs were in immediate financial crisis, even alums that were valedictorians of their class and won full tuition scholarships. But I think the, the culinary industry, because it's so, does not pay very much and does not have usually like health insurance or benefits. I think it doesn't allow people to build kind of a safety net and also has like rampant racial and sexual harassment in that industry. So we've been thinking a lot about how do we, what's our role and how do we create more equity in the industry? And so we're doing that in a number of ways. One, supporting alums to like create their own businesses. One is working with companies like Shake Shack to train shift managers to hopefully be promoted to exempt managers because there's a huge racial divide there. And then also big picture of, of how do we dismantle some of the systems that perpetuate all of that and build awareness because people mm -hmm. care about like where their chicken comes from, but they don't necessarily care as much about if they're, you know, the people making their food have health insurance, which right. needs to change. <laughs> That's cool that you're doing that though. It's, <laughs> it's exciting and also... Uh, sometimes depressing just because yeah, I bet yeah. <laughs> so more on the college side of things what you mentioned that like active culinary isn't always necessary so what kind of majors or just degree should people be looking for if they're looking for this kind of career I think there it's a good question Writing skills are definitely important in the nonprofit world there's a lot of like grant writing but also curriculum writing and, and figuring things like all of that out. Psychology is really important of understanding where people are coming from and, and kind of as a whole, like as society. And then I think a, a big one would be social work. And I think that's really important to have 
social workers on staff, which we do not, but hopefully will soon, but of really understanding the causes for inequities and, and how to work within that system. But it's because it's a type of job where you wear many hats, you can kind of study anything and get into it. And there's also like, I think there's 1.5 million nonprofits in the States. So there's just, there are nonprofits about kind of any subject. So it, it kind of depends which subject. And then you also just basically have to be willing to learn a lot. <laughs> and then what about like food education in general, not necessarily through a nonprofit? I think culinary background is really helpful in if you are going to do food education of like a job training program, you really need to know what the industry is like because it's very different from so many other industries in terms of the expectations and the hours and how to do well. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I think a, a culinary background is really helpful. Education back, we have a, a on our staff, we have two people with culinary backgrounds. So me and one other person, one person with an education background and one person with more of an operations background. So kind of depends on the role, but education, culinary, mm-hmm. and everything. <laughs> and then if someone w- weren't to go to college, what kind of opportunities are open for them? So actually the, the person that I mentioned that has an operations background did not finish college and is I would say the most organized person on our team and is the most. So that person worked in a kind of a, actually the same restaurant grocery store that I did and, and worked her way up and became the general manager of the, the whole store. And so learned tons of skills through that and on the job. And so I think actually college, I think is very important and helpful in terms of learning the big skills, but not if you don't go to college, you can still very much work in nonprofits. You just really need to like learn as much as you can on the job, which is totally possible. You just have to like ask for opportunities and follow through with things and try to understand things outside of your job function. So very much possible. Mm-hmm. Okay. And then one final question for you. What advice would you give to someone who doesn't know what they want to be when they grow up? That it is totally fine. <laughs> But I think it's figuring out what makes you excited in general of like what you gravitate toward either like in class when something's mentioned that you want to learn more about or like a homework assignment that you worked extra hard on trying to figure out what it was about that that got you excited. So like, for example, for me, I I like to cook. I'm not obsessed with cooking. What I actually liked in about working in restaurants was the way that it made you think and ha- like kind of have to think on your feet and prioritize and understanding that is what made me realize that I would like nonprofits. So I think just figuring out what you gravitate towards. And then also one thing that I learned in high school that was helpful was kind of that some people are generalists and some people are specialists. And generalists tend to think similarly to other people, tend to like lots of different things and make great managers. Specialists like get very excited about like maybe one hobby or one specific thing. And so that might be like a computer scientist or a musician or some job where you're doing one very specific thing. So I think understanding where you fall on that spectrum and then where you want to fall in a career world. But I do not think you need to know what you want to do in high school. 
but you should always learn and explore. Sounds good. (laughs) Well, thank you for teaching us about food education. It's super interesting. And if any of our listeners have questions for Eliza, you can contact her at ElizaMLair at gmail.com. That's E-L-I-Z-A-M-L-O-E-H-R at gmail.com. And before we wrap up, who do you want me to interview next? Email me your ideas at realitycheckpodcast10 at gmail.com. Thanks for listening.